0: And welcome to this, the first episode of Edie's Big Brexit Questions podcast. Regular listeners will know that we run our sustainable business covered every fortnight with about sixty minutes episodes, but with everything that's going on in Westminster at the moment, we decided it was time for a mini podcast series outlining how, what Brexit will mean for key areas of the green economy. This will be a six-episode series with topics touching on resource efficiency natural capital and biodiversity, clean energy, transport, the built environment and green finance. Although we've done our own research into each of these topics, in each episode we'll be speaking to an industry or policy expert from these six fields to discuss what impact Brexit has had to date and what the future ramifications are likely to be, regardless of the exit route we choose. So without further ado, our first episode will be on resource efficiency and I I am joined today by Libby Forrest from the ESA. Libby how are you?
1: I'm very well thank you Sarah thanks for having me.
0: No problem and would you mind running the listeners through a bit more about your job and what you do at the ESA and how that relates to Brexit policy?
1: So I am part of the policy team at the ESA, which is the Environmental Services Association, and we're the trade body for the waste management industry in the UK. And we're ensuring that our members are prepared for Brexit, um, and we're also trying to influence the government's policy on how, um, on what waste and resource policy is going to look like going forward after Brexit.
0: Okay great and can I just clarify there when you say members how many members would you say you guys have in this space?
1: So we have um, around 80 members and that ranges from your very big waste management companies right down to you um, smaller operators.
0: Okay great so representing this spread of people think back to 2016 and when the results of the referendum were first unveiled what were your initial reactions on what that could mean for the circular economy and resource efficiency agenda for for those companies?
1: Mm, Yeah so initially there was some concern and so the EU provides the framework for waste policy and regulation so there was a question around of existing EU-derived legislation. And then there were fears of a policy vacuum. So The EU has provided leadership on the circular economy so far, and we were wondering whether the UK government would would be willing to step up um, and fill that gap. Um, It wasn't particularly promising at the time, um, so the government had shown little willingness to go above and beyond the minimum required by the EU. The EU circular economy package was being negotiated at the time, and DEFRA had expressed concerns at the um, at the targets that were being proposed. Um, so the question for us was whether the UK would keep up with the EU after Brexit, or would it seek to water down environmental policy? And then there was um, there was also concern about governance. Um, so, for example, the EU can fine member states for not meeting recycling targets, and, and without that, there may not be a real incentive to meet them. So there were lots of questions, but once the dust had settled, we could see that there were also a lot of opportunities associated with Brexit. So could we go further than the EU on some areas? Could we change things that don't work so well? For example, could we move away from weight-based targets to something more closely aligned to environmental outcomes for different waste streams? So there was a lot of uncertainty, but there were potential opportunities too.
0: Mm, and those questions you had there around these opportunities and risks? Did you did you, or anyone else in the industry voice these to government? And if so, what sort of responses and clarity were you given in return?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, we did. We were making representations to government from day one. Um, so there were immediate concerns around ensuring that shipments of waste carried on smoothly, for example but DEFRA has done a really good job there at ensuring that there won't be any legislative issues for waste exports, even in a no-deal scenario, although practically under no-deal there would still be a risk of congestion at port. Um, and then we had um, questions around longer-term policy aims and whether the would be keeping up with the EU's ambition so we were really pleased when DEFRA committed to the targets in the circular economy package and to implementing the package even after Brexit so we still don't know exactly what the details of the transposition are and whether there will be some points of departure now or in future but DEFRA's recently published resources and waste strategy which came out at the end of last year provides the policy framework that we were looking for going forward so we're no longer fearing a policy board. And then we've got the upcoming Environment Bill, which will fill the governance gap left by the EU. So there are still some questions around whether it will be robust enough. So, for example, can it issue fines and will it have sufficient independence to properly scrutinise government activity?
0: Okay, great. You've kind of covered my next question, which is what the mood and the outlook is like for the sector at the moment. I know you mentioned that there was some clarity offered by the Resources and Waste Strategy, and potentially something we've been writing about a lot has been the green watchdog as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the big big question for us was whether the UK would step up and show the leadership that, that the EU has so far provided. So the reception for the resources and waste strategy has been really positive, and there's a lot of excitement in the resources and waste sector at the moment. We still don't have the fine details, and it's hard to say whether it will be sufficient to meet future targets, but if we get it right, it will help ensure that products are designed better with the end of life in mind. It will help make sure we collect waste better and consumers know how to dispose of their waste properly. And crucially, it will underpin investment in recycling and waste infrastructure. So that's all really positive from our perspective. On the green watchdog, as I say, um, there are still a lot of questions around that. And I know that other stakeholders in the environmental space are working very hard to, with government to make sure that that is going to be robust enough um, so that we don't have any, any governance gaps as we, as we leave the EU.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, and then I'm talking to you at a time really where you say there's a lot of questions still arising from some of these policy frameworks and then still a lot of questions about our extension and how we actually will leave the EU anyway. So in regards to both of these areas, what what would you put your money on the government doing at this point and, and how are you, you guys planning for that?
1: Yeah, well, we've got the four resources and waste strategy consultations Currently open, so those are on um, extended producer responsibility, and that's about how to reform the current producer responsibility scheme for packaging, to make producers contribute more to the cost of the end of uh, recovering the material that they placed on the market, and incentivise them to design packaging for recyclability. And then we've got the consistency of collections in England consultation and that's about mandating a set of core materials that must be collected by all councils and introducing separate food waste collections Mm -hmm. and then we've got a consultation on a deposit return scheme for beverage containers in England, Wales and Northern Ireland Um, and there's a lot of political pressure for this one. We know Scotland are introducing one but Defra said that it may not happen, or it may it may be delayed to allow EPR, the Extended Producer Responsibility mm-hmm. reform, to become established, to make sure that the two work together. And then finally, there's a Treasury consultation on introducing a tax on virgin plastic in packaging. And this is really important. So the other measures in the Resources and Waste Strategy are mainly focused on collecting more waste for recycling. But there's no point in doing that. Unless there's a demand for the recycled material and it's competitive against primary raw materials. So we want to ensure that these measures do come in and that they all complement each other. Um, So we're working with government and other stakeholders on that. And then Longer term, we're starting to think about a sector deal for resources and waste. So as a sector, we currently take waste and turn it into relatively low-value products, um, so essentially sorted materials and electricity. Um, But in future, we want to take waste and turn it into high-value feedstocks for UK industries, um, such as chemicals, high-value manufacturing and agribusiness. the sector deal that we're working on will look to develop a practical roadmap for bringing that about. And to oversee that process, we've established a resources council made up of leaders within the waste sector, but also other key industries and stakeholders too.
0: Great. And then if the resources and waste strategy consultations go the way that you would like and that you are predicting and that this sector deal gets brought in, what do you think the impact of that will be on the business community here in the UK?
1: Producer responsibility is the centre of the resources and waste strategy, both the reforms to the extended producer responsibility scheme for packaging, and as a concept too, so in the deposit return scheme and the plastic stacks as well. So that will have a huge impact on producers. Um, so for example, packaging producers currently pay about 10% of the costs of disposing of their products, but they will be moving to full cost recovery. Mm-hmm. And we're already seeing them rise to the challenge, thanks to all the awareness around plastics and the demand coming from consumers. So the resource and waste strategy um, really is an opportunity to bring that all together and make sure that the initiatives don't pull against each other um, and avoid avoid any unintended consequences. So that's producers. And then for waste management companies, they're, they're waiting to invest in waste and recycling infrastructure. Um, But they've made it clear that they they will only do so if the detail of the resources and waste strategy is strong enough to deliver on the ambition and that it's going to provide the stability that they need to make sure that they get a return on their investment.
0: Okay, great. So would you say that the PREP is more to do with our own policy, um, such as the resources and waste strategies, than, for example, preparing for different scenarios like no deal or different withdrawal agreements?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Certainly, businesses will be having to make a lot of preparations for for No Deal and um, and for Brexit. Um, but the resource and waste strategy, um, I think we are we are looking to that to fill the gap. I mean, we could have we could have done it. A lot of what's in there we could have done in or out of the EU. But that's really going to be the the framework going forward for. that's really where our our attention's at at
0: the moment okay great i think that's a good place to bring the episode to a close so thank you so much libby for joining me today no problem so there you have it our first expert insight into one of the big brexit questions for the green economy as i mentioned at the start of the episode we'll be running this podcast series on a weekly basis with five more episodes to take us through the rest of april and towards the end of may our next two topics, natural capital and green finance, will also be hosted by myself, that's Sarah George, Edie's reporter, while our content editor, Matt Mace, will round up the rest of the series. If this podcast still isn't enough to satisfy your green Brexit curiosities and concerns, you'll be pleased to know that we've also put together this Brexit matrix, which you might have seen on our site. Um, I'm not going to lie when Matt first told me about it my mind immediately went to Keanu Reeves but this is a free downloadable document which outlines the various green policies we have that derive from the EU covering areas from chemical use to renewables and um, what would happen to each of these areas based on what kind of Brexit we eventually agree on. So whether that's going to be hard or soft, green or not, now or later this is a really good read for anyone concerned about Brexit. So I think that's most of us at the moment. You can find The Matrix by heading to ed.net and clicking the Downloads tab along the top bar of the site. So with that in mind, I think now would be a good time to bring the podcast to a close. It's goodbye from me until our next episode. Goodbye.